gauntlet was thrown after the last time I spoke. I don't know if he told you in this service, but uh, Pastor David told the 930 service that I intentionally preached shorter than him so that you'll like me better, <laughs> which is, is not true. It's not true at all. Uh, in fact, um, when we adjusted our student service on Wednesday uh, to add some new features to it, our preaching time went down to about 25 minutes, and now for some reason I can't preach longer than that. So Pastor David encouraged me to, to go an hour and 10 minutes this morning, <laughs> but I won't do that. Uh, actually, he, uh, he, he did not. Uh, he's a, a great guy, and, and I'm so thankful for the opportunity that he gives me uh, every time he's out to fill this pulpit to come before you. Uh, he's a phenomenal pastor, and Westside has been blessed now with generations of men that have led this church well under the conviction and fear of God, and uh, we're, we're privileged for that, so I'm grateful. Uh, today, we're going to continue in our series on prayer, and uh, I, I, don't, I don't know about you guys, but I'm feeling better this hour than I did last hour. It's, it's so hot outside. It is so hot. And are, are you guys feeling good? Are you feeling okay? All right, so we're going we're gonna to get to a little bit of prayer. We're going to do some study in the Word, and then we're going to go and try to keep cool the rest of the day. And so it, it won't be too much longer, I promise, but stay with me for a minute uh, because the, the 930 service, they need their money back. I think. I got the caffeine, though, now. It's going. It's kicking. I feel it. When we start thinking about prayer, this is week two of a series on prayer. And as I start to think about my own prayer life, and as I started to consider what to speak on today, someone asked me one time, uh, how do you choose the topics that you speak on? And my only answer is I, I only ever preach to myself first. And generally, if it's something I'm dealing with, it's something everyone else is dealing with too. You know, it's a, it's a lie of the devil if you're dealing with something and he's whispering in your ear that you are the only one. You got to reject that thought. We're all in this together. And as I look at my own life, this is a disappointment I constantly have with my own prayer life. And maybe you've noticed this in yours as well. Doesn't it seem that our prayers are much more fervent, much more real, much more intimate, much more desperate when we're going through the storm than when we're living in the blessing and in the good times? Have you noticed that about yourself? That's been a constant disappointment for me. Because what could happen if I would live in such a way that my prayers are intimate with the Lord no matter what is going on in life? And as I started to consider that, it led me to Jonah, the prayer of Jonah. Now, Jonah is a, a familiar book, and, and maybe you're brand new to church and this is your first time going through it, or maybe you remember this from a vacation Bible school decades ago. But here's what happens in Jonah's life. Jonah is a prophet. Jonah reminds me of myself. He's incredibly stubborn. 
he doesn't get it. He's hard-headed. And one day, God says to Jonah, you're going to go to Nineveh and you're going to preach to Nineveh. You're going to preach repentance to Nineveh. And Jonah, he doesn't even respond. He just runs. He doesn't say, God, I'm not going to Nineveh. It is an awful place. They torture people. No. He just runs. And he gets on a ship. And he sails off with this group of sailors. And suddenly, God catches up with him. And for whatever reason in God's mind, well, because he loves the people of Nineveh, but he has chosen Jonah and he requires that that message will be taken. And so he sends a storm. Meanwhile, Jonah rests asleep in the bottom of that boat. And the sailors run to him and they wake him up and they say, Jonah, get up. We've been praying to our gods and nothing is happening. Now pray to yours and maybe we'll be saved. But what does Jonah do? He doesn't pray. He says, okay, I need to tell you something. So when I got on this boat, I'm actually running from God. Didn't share that earlier. Didn't think you'd want to know. But it's, it's me. It's, it, it's not you, it's me. It's me. I'm the one that is causing all of this calamity. And so throw me overboard because maybe God will relent for you. And so these sailors are all too happy to take Jonah and lift him over the side of the boat and they toss him in the ocean. And then you know what happens next. God sends a fish, a whale. And that whale comes and swallows Jonah and then finally and only then does Jonah pray. And we're going to read his prayer recorded here in Jonah chapter 2. Some of you may remember Steve Loy, who was a college pastor several years ago that we had. And Steve used to tell a story that I loved. He told it several times over, and every time he told it, I would listen to it as if it was the first time I was hearing it because it's remarkable. He told a story about when he was doing uh, beach ministry beach ministry in Daytona Beach, and he had a group of college students there on mission, and they were going around, and they would catch up with spring breakers, and they'd share the gospel, and, and in particular, and I don't remember why it was they chose this particular place, but there was a, a particular bar, and he and his students surrounded this bar, walked around it several days in a row, praying that it would close. Three days into that prayer, That bar burned to the ground. No kidding. Really happened. I think that's, I think it's awesome. (laughs) Well, I heard another story. I don't know if this other one is true. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. But it's a story of a, a small town church that had a new bar open up in its town down the street from where they met for church. And the church folks didn't like this, and so the pastor rallied a group of them, and they went around, and in the same kind of way, they walked, they marched around this bar several nights in a row, praying that the Lord would burn the bar to the ground. And a week later, it burned to the ground. Well, the bar owner got word of this, and so he sued the church. He sued the pastor. And they go to court, and the the bar owner says, this church is responsible for my loss, 
They're responsible for paying for the damages because they came to my church or they came to my bar. For some people, it's like church, I hear. They came to my bar and they marched around it and prayed it would burn down and it burned down. And the judge looked at the pastor and said, well, what do you have to say for this? And he said, I don't know. I won't doubt. I, 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 won't, uh, I won't say that we didn't do that, but we had nothing to do with this bar's burning down. All we did was pray. We, we have no liability in this. It was not our fault. Well, the judge looked at his plaintiff and defendant and said, well, now I've heard it all. I've got a bar owner that believes in the power of prayer and a pastor who doesn't. (laughs) Doesn't it seem that when we're in need, when we're going through the storm, we are the greatest prayer warriors that ever walked. And we believe so firmly in the power and the necessity of prayer But when things are going all right, we tend to forget our need and our dependence and our reliance on God. That's exactly what happened to Jonah. And when we meet Jonah in chapter 1, we meet a prophet, a man of God, called of God, saved by God, who's prayerless. And look what he says when he finally begins praying again. Chapter 2, verse 1, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed. Jonah finally prayed to the Lord his God. It took all of this to get his attention. The Lord has spoken to Jonah. He ignored him. Well, he didn't ignore him. He fled. The Lord has sent a storm that rocked the boat. He still didn't give in. He sent sailors to beg him, pray, come on, pray. And he doesn't listen. He gets thrown overboard. And finally, in the worst calamity imaginable, when you're floating at sea, you're swallowed by a whale. And finally, Jonah says, okay, God, I I guess I, I better pray now. I better cry out to you now. Wouldn't it be amazing if you and I didn't have to go through the storm to go to our knees, wouldn't it be, wouldn't life be so different if God didn't have to get our attention so much? Look what Jonah says. He says, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. Just stop and think about that for a minute. After all of his running, after all of his stupidity, after all of his disobedience, finally when he needs him most, Jonah calls out to God. And God didn't say, well, you messed up, Jonah. Uh, I could hear you a little better if you weren't in the bottom of the sea in a whale. Says the Lord answered him. The Lord, the the creator of all the universe, from the depths of the grave, I called for his help. And sometimes we throw that that statement around so often, well, I'm praying about this, well, I'm praying for you, well, I'm praying for this, that it's like we've lost its meaning, that it's not just an act of, 
of something that we do ourselves where we fall to our knees and we say a few words, we are actually crying out to the almighty, the all-powerful, most high God of all the universe who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or think. That's what prayer is. And Jonah says, in my distress, that word is so interesting because the The word chosen in the original language, you know what it means? It doesn't just mean stress of life. It means the distress of childbearing, the distress of of labor. He says, "While, while going through the stress of God birthing me into someone and something new, Jonah recognizes The calamity in my life is being allowed so that I come out as something new and different and better on the other side for his glory. He goes on, he says, from the the depths of the grave, that's Sheol, many of you familiar with that word, hell. Jonah says, from the depths of the hell of life, I called for help. And you listened to my cry. Maybe this morning you're familiar with that. Maybe this morning you're experiencing the shale of, mar- of your marriage, the shale of pain in your heart, the shale of something going on at work, the shale of your kids are driving you nuts. If they're middle or high school, I can help. The shale of life coming apart at the seams. And you have no clue what to do next. Cry out. He'll listen. Look what he says. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas. The currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. And I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. What Jonah finally recognizes is that God has taken him through the phases of his rejection. See, God doesn't doesn't say, Jonah, you're going to Nineveh. And then immediately a fish jumped out of the ocean and swallowed Jonah right on the spot where he was standing. That would have been something. Jonah is given the opportunity first at God's call, phase one. God's calling out and calling him back, giving him a command, but he ignores it. Phase two, he gets on the boat and the ship begins to be torn and tattered by this storm. Phase three, the sailors warn him. They call out to him, cry to your God. Four, he gets thrown overboard At any point along the way, Jonah could have broken and said, God, I'm paying attention. I'm coming back to you. I'm calling out to you. I'm listening. But he has to get all the way to stage five, that whale. And that whale took him, he says, into the very deep. Do you ever feel like that in life? You ever feel like life has somehow grabbed you and swallowed you and taken you deeper and deeper and deeper until finally you can go no further? And you find yourself going, now what do I do? 
The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. The seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountain, I sank down. The earth beneath barred me forever. But you. Two of the most amazing words in Scripture. But God. I was lost in my transgression, but God. I was dead in my sin, but God. I was at the bottom of the ocean in a whale, but God. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. Have you ever had a but God moment in your life? Have you reached the end? Have you come to the end of your own understanding and the end of your own ability but God said otherwise. Maybe there's a, there's a moment in your life that God has declared that statement in a very real way. There are testimonies in this room right now of doctors who said, you're not going to live, but God said, I still have a plan. I'm one of them. There may be testimonies in this room right now Everyone around you, including the marriage counselor, said the relationship is over. It's fallen apart. But God had another plan and brought it back. There are testimonies in the room right now of people that had reached the very end. But God brought you up from the pit. And finally, at long last, Jonah embraces the phase. No matter what step you're going through, no matter where you've been, no matter where you're going, and especially if the story of your life right now is not that everything is falling apart, but that everything is being held together, embrace the phase. There are things, do you ever wish you could go back? There are things I wish I could go back and tell my younger self. I wish I could go back and talk some sense into my younger self. Do you ever feel that way? You ever thought, I wish I could go back and say, hey, younger self, that's a dumb idea. I know you think it's great, but that's a dumb idea. Hey, younger self, don't date that person. Mm. Hopefully there's no one in the room that wants to go back and tell younger self, don't marry that person. Uh-oh, we had an amen somewhere. Go back and, hey, younger self, do not invest in that stock. Enron is not as good as it seems. <laughs> there are different phases of our lives that we must go through in order to learn how to be the person that God has intended for us to be. And sometimes those are necessary phases and God is good to bring us through those phases. But while you're in them, embrace them. Embrace them and submit and cry out to God. And most important, this. It's what Jonah does in chapter 7. When my life, excuse me, verse 7. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you. Some of us just need to remember the Lord this morning.
some of us have to go back and say, God, things are falling apart in all this time. I have attempted this on my own. I need to remember that I need you. Some of us need to say, God, everything is going exactly right. In fact, I've never had a time in my life when things have been going better. I need to remember you so that you don't have to bring a storm. I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you and to your holy temple. And then listen to this. This is a word for the church today as clear as it was when Jonah wrote it. Those who cling to worthless idols. Most popular one today, self. Self. Those who cling to themselves. Forfeit the grace that could be theirs. I don't know about you, but I have tried doing it on my own. I've been in both sides. I've done it on my own, and I've lived in the grace, and I would much rather live in his grace. Wouldn't you? I have tried to fix my issues and fix my problems and plan my life and execute it the way that I want it to happen, and I would much rather let go and live the adventure of being caught up in his plan and in his grace. It's much more exciting. I promise that. It's far easier. Wouldn't it be incredible if we didn't have to stand around and wait for the storm, but instead we could recognize, whether in good time, whether in bad time, the thing that Jonah finally realized when he got into that whale. You remember in the New Testament, Jesus is going to say that Jonah in the whale was a sign And immediately we think about how Jonah was in there for three days, Jesus in the tomb for three days, then the whale vomits him up and and death gives over and, and, and victory is won and Jesus is resurrected. We get that part of the sign, but I think there's another part of the sign. And it's this, that at long last when Jonah got in the belly of that whale, he finally recognized there was absolutely nothing possible that he could do to save himself. He needed a savior. He needed the Lord. He had one thing left that he could possibly do. And interestingly enough, it was the one thing that he should have done from the start. To call out to a mighty God who could do something about his situation. When we think about our prayer life, when I think about my own disappointment with myself, when I realize that my prayer is so much more intimate and real when I'm in the storm, what I have to remember is whether it's good time or bad time, blessing or tribulation, things are going right, or things seem awful and deeper and lower than they've ever been, I need his grace. I need his grace. So no matter where you're at, this morning we think about prayer. 
Don't wait to remember the Lord. How much better could our lives be? How much more fulfilling could our life? How much deeper, more intimate could our lives be? If we would embrace the phase, cling to the Lord, and have the discipline to get on our knees and cry out to Him no matter what. How much more of an adventure could life be if God wasn't having to constantly try to get our attention, but instead could just use us freely? That's the life I want to live. I don't want to have to be swallowed by the whale. I want to be willing that when God says go, I give my yes. Do you pray with me? This morning, if you're like me and you look at the story of your life and you battle the same thing that I do, that I seem much more intimate when I'm in the storm, when I ought to be just as intimate in the blessing. You know what you need, just like I need? You need His grace. This morning, let the challenge be that here forward, we're going to live every day in His grace, in the intimacy of a prayer life that's beyond just calling out when we think we need Him. We need Him every day. Good times or bad, blessing or cursing. Some of you may be here this morning and for the first time you're realizing that just like Jonah in that whale, there's nothing you can do to save yourself. This morning you need to cry out to a holy God who has provided a way of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. If that's you this morning in a moment, I'm gonna invite you to come forward. I'll be standing here. I'd love to show you in scripture how you can know Christ as your personal savior this morning. It's time to get out of the belly of the fish. And it's time to start living in victory in an intimate relationship with the Lord. Some of you may need to come forward and and get a date scheduled for believer's baptism. Maybe you've made that private decision. You've put your faith in Christ before, but now you need to go public with your faith. We can get that scheduled worked out for you. Maybe this morning you want to join this church. There's a difference in attending and in belonging. Whatever decision is laid upon your heart, we all have work to do with the Lord. And for the rest of us, we'll respond in a moment of worship. So, Father, our prayer is this, that you'd be glorified in our hearts, in our souls, in our minds. That, Father, your word would not return void, but we would each be called into a more intimate prayer relationship with you. Father, if there are any here this morning who need to know you as Savior, touch their heart right now. In Jesus' name.